You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. We also took a break from the On This Day in History stuff for the Christmas break, but uh, we're going to get it back up and running. And this is actually a pretty fun episode because this is after the Green Bay Packers had beaten the Jets, and it's PFF Day. And the reason PFF Day is fun in the On This Day in History episode series is because it's a breakdown of how the team did. So it's fun to get to hear certain players, how they were performing, sort of the trends and things of that nature, um, just as sort of a refresher. Um, If you're into these episodes, it'll be interesting. If you're not, then um, I'll catch you tomorrow morning for a new episode. But that's about it. That's what we're doing today. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get into it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So welcome back. Hope you all had a fine holiday. I was expecting a little bit more of a dip in the statistics, but um, it wasn't too bad. So thanks for for those of you that actually... (laughs) actually threw on the Packernet podcast for Christmas. That's pretty awesome. In fact, the majority of you did. I think there was only, jeez, I don't know, it's a small percentage less than, you know, last Tuesday. So that's pretty cool. But we're back. I mean, kind of. Still pretty exhausted. <laughs> this is the month that does not end. And you got New Year's coming up, which I guess is a good thing because as soon as January hits, it's just, there's just nothing left, man. Really got to embrace, you know, Christmas time, everything's kind of like warm. Actually, literally, because it's like 40s outside. It's going to be this week, too, which is just incredible. At least up here in the the Wisconsins. But you know, like January 1st, it's going to snow a foot. It's going to be four below. The wind is just going to be like 800 miles an hour. Your car is going to be a frozen block. And it's just going to be that for, you know six years at least that's what it feels like so embrace it enjoy it have an extra special fun new year's because it's just going to be horrible after that but again with that said it's a it's a pretty grueling 
little little thing that we got going on over here, traveling every weekend for a different party and whatnot. But that aspect of it is over, so we get to kind of turn our attention back to football, and it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I mentioned yesterday, for those that didn't hear, um, I, I'm I'm good with them winning on uh, you know against the Lions. The draft capital, the draft stock we're going to lose is really just not that much. I mean, it all depends. But I think worst case scenario, if we win and Miami, Washington, and Cleveland lose, we would pick 16th. And then I believe what happens is Cleveland picks after us, but we would have the same record as them, which means that we would alternate going forward. So in the second round, they would pick higher than us and and vice versa. So we would drop from 14th to 16th, and that's only, again, if Miami and Washington lose. If either of those teams win, then we, you know, either stay at 14, we go to 15, whatever. I mean, as far as how high we can go, technically we could be 10th, but uh, we would need Atlanta, Carolina, Denver, and Cincinnati to win. Carolina doesn't know how to win anymore. They have lost seven in a row. Denver's lost three in a row. So maybe Atlanta and Cincinnati, I'm not even going to bother looking it up. I'm, the, the whole point of this is just to say it's not a big deal anymore. I'm not going to get all that worked up about stuff anymore. And considering how little the draft is going to be impacted, again, if we're talking about a fifth overall pick, yes, please lose the last couple games. If we're talking about the difference between maybe, you know, 12 and 15, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'd, I'd rather beat the Lions and I'd rather isn't even the right word. It, it's just, it's it's a it's a wash. The season doesn't end on a high note just because we beat the Lions, but we're not going to get Nick Bosa because we lost to the Lions, or Ed Oliver, or any of the guys that, that are on people's lists. Of course, there's a small possibility that at 15 we get the stud we always wanted, and at, you know, or at, at 12 we get the stud, and at 15 we lose him. You know, Josh Allen goes at 12 or whatever. But as I also said yesterday, I think, there was a lot of good that we saw yesterday, and I, I'm going to get into that. We're going to run through pro football focus very quickly, offense and defense, just to kind of take a look. But at least insofar as the offense, I think it was a very, very good performance, and I think we saw certain people step up that we haven't really seen in a while. Um, little preview, Aaron Rodgers wasn't graded elite like he has in, in prior games, but I think it was just clean. I think the, the decision-making and the... Uh, I don't know, just the, the passion, the energy, decision-making, the accuracy looked pretty solid. I don't remember a ton of overthrows or underthrows, although it got to a point where I was watching the games and I just didn't really even pay attention anymore. I mean, it, 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 didn't, it doesn't stick out in my mind if Aaron Rodgers overthrows a guy because I just kind of chuckle and go, yeah, that's what happens. That's, that's the thing this year. But I guess we're kind of to the point where I'm willing to at least buy into some degree into this, uh, you know, learn how to win together build momentum for next year stuff. I can't, again, I can't quantify it. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how much it's going to impact 2019, if at all. But at this point, sure, let's give it a shot, man. Let's just start 2019 last week. So on Sunday was week one of 2019. We're 1-0. Looking to go 2-0 and against the Lions. So we come into next year with a 2-0 and win streak, and we'll just keep that thing rolling. Kind of silly, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Bottom line is, here's kind of the situation. Pretty much everything is laid out. We kind of know everything. There's just a couple questions left. So at this point, it's more informational than emotional for me. So I'm not going to get upset about stuff because it's just, it's information. 
we, we have to try to figure out what to do going forward. And in order to really work on that, we got to just kind of figure out a couple last little pieces of the puzzle. And as long as nobody gets devastatingly injured, as far as things that carry over into next year, I'm fine with it. But anyways, I wanted to touch on a couple little uh, pieces of interesting conversation and then get into pro football focus. But before we get there, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. As I mentioned, I don't want anyone giving me anything during the holidays, but uh, the holidays were yesterday, so I expect back pay plus interest. I'm kidding. I know you're all broke now. I went ahead and uh, made my turned my house into a smart home now just decked it out so that was how we spent most of our day and then it what i didn't think through very well is that my kids can now control my house with their own voice and that's going to be really annoying no no stop telling alexa to turn all the lights off please but you can't tell a two-year-old that because she she you know i mean my my four-year-old son tried to get alexa to rock the chair for him i mean it they're still kind of feeling this thing out we all are a little bit like, oh, I just tell this thing to do magic, and it does. That's crazy. Which kind of seems silly, but, I mean, if you can tell a little, you know, roundish thing to turn on and off lights that aren't even next to it, yeah, why can't it rock my chair? But, um, long story short, not the cheapest investment in the world. So, I get it. Maybe I hit you up in January. However, it is still accruing interest, so keep that in mind. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. Been away for a while. Got to get all caught up. Head over there. Find out what's going on with the Packers. If you wouldn't mind jumping in the Facebook group, that'd be kind of cool. We can kind of stay in touch over the off-season. And, of course, NFLBigBoard.com because it's just that time, man. You got two choices this time of year. You can shut it down, go into football hibernation mode, which is what I used to do. It actually kind of felt good. It was refreshing, right? It's... Weekends are stressful, and it's like, well, no, we can't do anything on Sunday because Sundays are all locked up. And then football season ends, and it's like, I got a whole other free day. This is amazing. Which we still get that free day, but the alternative to just shutting down, turn to the draft, man. It's that time of year. So if you haven't been there yet, get on it. Start checking out some prospects, see who you like and don't like, etc. Finally, I did throw up a, uh, a phone number. If anybody wants to test that out, see what that's about. Again, I'm not going to answer the phone, so it's not going to be a weird kind of thing. Just go straight to voicemail. Otherwise, you can text that number, I believe. I could be wrong. Nobody's tried that yet. Um, going to leave that open. I want to kind of get that going a little bit more toward the off season as I run out of things to say. But I figured I'd throw it up there now just to kind of make sure there's no kinks and uh, problems with it. Shout out to the uh, person who pocket dialed me yesterday. I don't know how you even do that unless you just called and it went to voicemail and you thought you hung up and just threw it in your... I don't know. But I did listen to all three minutes. Uh, I feel obligated to do that every time somebody pocket dials me because it turns into like a game. Like, I wonder if I can hear something that they're saying. Like, I just want to hear one thing. I hear noise. I just want to make out one word or something. Just try to guess what's going on right there. Also, a little bit concerned that maybe I'm listening to a crime. I don't know why my mind goes there, how many crimes I think are being committed, or why that somebody committing a crime would call me, but there's always that little bit like, oh, what was that? That sounded like a scream. I wonder if I'm being called from like a layer somewhere or something. I don't know, but I, I got to listen to the whole thing and just see what's going on. One of these days, I'm going to save somebody doing that, so don't worry about it. All right, first bit of news I wanted to discuss, DJ Swearinger is off the market. Some people had asked me about it. I didn't look into it too much because, again, Christmas time and whatnot. 
But I think we all kind of knew the answer to that. It just wasn't really a good fit for the Packers. I mean, just think of it in this way. We cut HaHa because of his, you know, kind of attitude-ish stuff. The Redskins were fine with his attitude. They cut DJ Swearinger because of his attitude. So kind of take that for what it's worth. It would be very unusual if we just went ahead and picked him up. However, the team that did pick him up, the Arizona Cardinals, now control the number one overall pick because the Oakland Raiders felt the need to win, which, you know, is as bad as I feel as a Packer fan because it's like, man, we could have had like, I don't know, like the seventh overall pick, the fifth overall pick, somewhere in there. The Raiders had number one and lost it. 49ers also had number one and lost it. I mean, tanking just is not a thing in the NFL, officially. Like, if you're willing to give up the number one overall pick to win a meaningless game, it just doesn't exist. Then again, I don't know what more the Raiders could do to tank. <laughs> they traded away Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. I don't know what you what else you can do to try to throw away the season. And again, coaches and players aren't going to try to tank, and you're not going to tell them to tank. There's just certain things you can try to do to make it easier. I don't know what else you can do. But anyways, speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, bit of a segue, there was a rumor that came out that Mike McCarthy would be interested in coaching for the Arizona Cardinals, you know, if if, uh, that job became available, which it absolutely will. And as soon as I heard that, it was like, wow, that would be a really good fit. I mean, the, the, the Arizona Cardinals were a very good team for quite some time. Their coach goes away. They draft a new quarterback. They've got a whole new regime in there, and everything just falls apart. One of the best running backs in the NFL, at least for a year. He, you know, he played like one full year, and he was better than Le'Veon, easily the number one running back in the NFL. Suddenly, he doesn't know how to play, or they don't know how to use him. Larry Fitzgerald not looking too good. This rookie quarterback, who I kind of thought was going to be maybe the number one or number two guy, was going to be him or Baker Mayfield were my top two quarterbacks. Rosen isn't doing anything. But the amount of potential in that team is crazy. And if Mike McCarthy wants to make a statement that the Packers letting go of me was the dumbest thing you could ever do, the Arizona Cardinals is the number one stop. Plus, I mean, it'd be nice to get a little warm weather stuff going on. I don't know if I want Arizona warm, but uh, certainly would be appealing at this time of year. I might hold out for, uh, like, Tampa Bay or something, see if they're going to fire their guy. Miami, Jacksonville, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm now, listen... At a certain point, what what else are you taking these jobs for? Like ten million or nine million? Okay, cool. You can win, you can lose. Like, I don't know. Do I do I want to be a playoff team in Buffalo, or do I want to be an eight and eight team in? Well, I don't I don't really want to be in Los Angeles, but that's an option. Some people would find that appealing. I mean, this is, this is my life, man. If I'm going to be out here 10 years, I would just want to live somewhere awesome, make a bunch of money, and do my best to try to turn this team around. Otherwise, pfft, I don't care, which is why I'm not a head coach. But really, if you look at this team, first of all, Josh Rosen, I think, is his, his potential is sky high. They just, it's an absolute mess over there. And I think for a guy like McCarthy, it would be awesome, and I think he would love that opportunity to groom another quarterback. Beyond that, if you just look at this team, Christian Kirk is a very, very young and talented wide receiver. He's on IR. He'll be back next year. Very talented guy. There's also Malachi Dupree, somebody he knows. 
Don't know if he's going to stick around. Malachi probably would hate McCarthy going over there because it's like, no, man, this guy already cut me once. But there, there, there's there's some talent there. Then again, David Johnson. Ugh. I mean, I don't know if McCarthy is the best guy on the planet to figure out how to use David Johnson either, but it's not a bad situation. Ricky Seals-Jones, their tight end, he had a terrible year like everybody else, but he had a really good rookie season. He's a talented tight end. McCarthy would love something like that. Young, talented, ascending, well, descending technically, but again, I'm just calling this whole season a wash for this team. They also have Jermaine Gresham, who's, you know, the veteran, mediocre guy like Lance Kendricks, except a little bit better than Kendricks. I don't know how many of these guys are going to stick around, but I'm just saying, I'm looking at this team and saying, this is kind of cool. Then you look at their IR, which, their IR, their offensive line, which is pretty much synonymous with IR. I mean, it's just, it's not bad. You got Mason Cole, who's a rookie that's not playing very well, but AQ Shipley is normally their center. He's on IR. He's a very good center. So that's solid. Their guards, Mike Upati and Jason P- Justin Pugue, those are two really good guards. Guess what they are? On IR. Both of them. Both of them. Both of them on IR. DJ Humphreys, pretty good tackle, on IR. Corey Cunningham, on IR. John Wetzel, on IR. Again, Packer fans cry so much about injuries, and we do have a lot of them, but I don't think we realize how bad it can get. So there's at least DJ Humphreys to look, you know, as a tackle prospect. That's pretty solid. That's what you have to work with on offense, and that's pretty solid. And on top of that, you've already got a pretty good defense. you got Patrick Peterson, who's a top-10 corner in the NFL right now. Well, technically he's outside of it, but, I mean, that's just his talent level. I don't know the last time he's had a top-10 corner on his team. Buda Baker as a slot corner is not bad. They just picked up DJ Swearinger, who's a pretty solid safety, which he doesn't have with Green Bay. Trey Boston, the free safety, he's also pretty solid. He's also very young. Josh Bynes at linebacker, he's ranked 18th in the NFL. Their linebacker group isn't great, but he's at least got one. Guess where he is? He's on IR. Interior defensive lineman Robert Kimdichi, Olsen Pierre, both on IR. The guys that they have starting, well, plus those two are not very good to begin with, but the guys starting aren't horrible. And then you look at their edge rushers. They got Chandler Jones, and they got the man locked up for quite some time. He's only 28. They got him on contract through 2021. On the other side, they got Benson Mayoa. Not an elite player by any stretch of the imagination, but better than what the Packers are working with. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's a worst to first, and I, granted, I said it last year, too, and it didn't happen, that the Cardinals are going to be a really good team in 2018. Obviously, they are the worst team. I, I shouldn't say I said they were really good. I th- said they were going to bounce back based on, because they just had a ton of injuries last year. And it's like, well, these guys are going to come back from injury. And then you got David Johnson. You got this rookie that's pretty good. And even if they don't play the rookie, they've got a bunch of veterans that they could play. Well, everything was horrible. But again, a good coach like Mike McCarthy, who knows how to organize a, you know, I think the team like this could just use some structure. You got some young defensive-minded head coach that comes in, has never done this before, and everything just completely falls into the ground. And the offense in particular, defense wasn't that horrible. I mean, they're bad, but not as bad as the offense, not even by a long shot. So anyways, yeah, as soon as I heard that, I thought that's going to be a really, really good fit for Mike McCarthy. And I'd be pretty interested to see. And, I, you know, I'd, I would be happy for him and excited for him. The thing that I don't like is the fact that it's just going to cause arguments and fights and everything else. You know, the Packers start off next year. 
and they don't get off to a hot start. They're, you know, 1-3, and three, and the Arizona Cardinals are 4-0. and oh, And I know it's a stretch, but if something like that happens, it's just t- Packers Twitter is just going to be insufferable. Oh, what happened now? What's, where's all the Mike McCarthy haters? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's McCarthy. It's not Rodgers. And then it's going to be everyone's going to come down on Rodgers. Everybody hates Rodgers. Mike McCarthy's a genius. The new coach is a bum. We never should have fired McCarthy. I knew it, even though... Go go try to find people now that are saying we shouldn't have fired McCarthy because, you know, write their names down. If they want to talk next year, they can talk. Everybody else needs to be quiet. It's a very select club that said McCarthy should stay, if, if, if that person even exists. But it's going to pop up next year, I can tell you that right now. But anyways, just wanted to comment on that because, yeah, again, I think that would be pretty pretty solid for Mike and the fam. Anyways, let's take a look at uh, what happened last week. So essentially what it was is a bounce-back game from the offense and um, one of the worst defensive performances of the season. Now, little caveat here, the defense has been really, really obliterated with injuries, but that still doesn't excuse some of the play from some of these players. So as far as overall offensive performance, it was our sixth best game of the season. We have not had a game this good since week 11 against Seattle. The uh, passing grade, the pass blocking grade, a lot of this stuff kind of stayed consistent. The receivers had a pretty good game. They haven't actually been, they haven't had any very good games the entire season. But it was still their best game also since the Seattle Seahawks game. The one thing that really, really, really stands out, though, is running the football. Now, you would think this is just basically Jamal Williams' grade, but it's not. It's it's just running in general. Because if you look at his grade, it's just kind of decent, I guess. So to be honest, I don't know exactly where this grade even comes from, because the run blocking grade was not very good. But it was elite. The best grade of the entire season. And there's no question... It was working. I don't know if there's some confusion on the part of Pro Football Focus as to where it came from, but the overall grade that they got for running the football was elite. Run blocking was terrible, as always. Just come to expect that. They've had three above-average games, and those are the best games of the season. Defensively, this was graded as the worst performance of the season. The only below-average games outside of this game right here were the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. The Patriots, it was it was basically exactly average, so I would probably just call that average, and San Francisco game was also pretty close to average. This was pretty comfortably in the below average category. Run defense was not a problem in this game. Um, it was one of the better games of the year. I would say, what was it, our uh, fifth best game of the year as far as run defense is concerned. Tackling wasn't great, but that hasn't been really been great all year. Pass rush wasn't great. Um... I don't want to say it hasn't been good all year, but the last two weeks in particular have been pretty bad. This was another one of those games. But it was actually coverage that really, really made the difference in this game, which is pretty sad. Despite the injuries, Jair played quite a bit. Breland was still out there. Tony Brown was still out there. These are guys that a lot of Packer fans like a lot, myself included. By far the worst game of the year in coverage, and the Jets wide receivers are kind of trash. So we can make up all the excuses we want, injuries. Darnold played really well, which I think he did. It doesn't matter, man. This It's not acceptable. And maybe with, you know, not having really a pass rush, that kind of makes things more difficult where you got to cover people longer. But I mean, they listen, they got carved up. There's, there's no two ways about it. Uh, otherwise, special teams, not surprisingly, also worst of the year. We'll start with the bad news for, first and look at the um, 
at the defense, um, at the top of the order, some names that I'm starting to get familiar with. Number one was Antonio Morrison, who was also number one last week. Last week he was actually graded as elite. Now he's got limited sample size, uh, limited snaps in both weeks, but still to be number one is pretty impressive. Two weeks in a row, and, and the, for that matter. He's close enough that I would actually ca- characterize him as having a very good grade. The other guy that I'm starting to get familiar with that's been at or near the top three weeks in a row, Tyler Lancaster, and he does not have a small sample size. He's out there 47 snaps. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is he really hasn't had too many bad games all year. The first three weeks of the season were just, you know, either average to below average, which is exactly what you would expect from, you know, an undrafted free agent. Then in week 10, somewhat limited sample size, but the guy's very good. I don't think anybody thought much of it. It's like, well, limited sample size. It's Everybody kind of has those games where you just kind of show up once in a while. But he followed that up with another good game. And then he was average, and then he was below average. And it's like, okay, here he goes. And then he was very good again against Atlanta. And then he was good again against Chicago. And now he's very good against the Jets. So in the midst of the turmoil and the chaos... Mr. Tyler Lancaster understands the severity of what's going on. This is a guy that's buried down the depth chart that's being given an opportunity because Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are not on the team right now. So he gets thrust in as our nose tackle and just absolutely tears it up. So much so that the last two weeks, he's not really limited anymore. In fact, since week 12, his, his, he's crossed that 20-snap threshold. Week 13, he crossed 30. And now in week 15, he had 51 snaps. Week 16, he had 47 snaps. So he's full-time now. That's pretty awesome. I'd, I'd really like to see him finish strong because this has been very impressive and very surprising. Morrison also is another one because he's just sort of a stopgap. He's just kind of filling in. He's had some, I mean, you want to talk about inconsistent. I mean, tackling, He's he's got to be one of the worst tacklers in the NFL. This is just horrific. Seven games, including this last week, where he was in the 20s or 30s. It was one game in the 30s. That's 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 as bad as it gets. I mean, once you cross down below the 40s, it's like it just it doesn't get worse. It doesn't matter if you're 40 or if you're two. It's just you are garbage. But overall, three weeks in a row, he's strung together games that are not horrible. I don't think he'll be back next year. But um, you know, finishing out strong these last couple of weeks, and actually, if you look past the Arizona and Minnesota game, he's put together a string since. I don't know, week nine against New England coming out of the bye. But uh, the inconsistencies are just kind of out of control with this guy, high and low and high and low. So I, I think a big game for him needs to happen if he's going to stay on the team because my, my vote at this point is probably no. Uh, some other guys that had decent games, Clay Matthews again popped back up in the top, and yes, again, it was because of coverage. It seems to be the only time he's ever near the top. It's because his coverage grade is pretty high. Dean Lowry once again. Um, it's more in the above-average category, but still pretty solid. Montrevious has been climbing. He's the next up on this list. He's also just above average, but to see him come from the bottom, I mean, really, from, from week one through week nine, just absolute rock-bottom horrible. Out of nowhere against Miami, he has a grade very near elite. Just flashes it. Just don't know where it came from, but that's awesome. Seattle, he goes back to being average, and then he does it again against Minnesota. He hasn't had a bad game since then. I mean, technically Seattle is average, but we'll, we'll call that a bad game. He had basically an elite grade because of his very, very good run defense grade against Minnesota. 
Follows it up with a good game against Arizona. Pretty pretty solid across the board. Run defense, tackling, pass rush, consistent. An above average game against Atlanta. Again, consistent. Tackling was his biggest asset, which is huge for us. Chicago, he had a good game. Run defense was solid. Tackling was solid. Pass rush has been average all year. It's not really his strength, clearly. And then against the Jets, he was above average again. Unfortunately, his tackling grade went through the floor. But still, consistent. He had 25 snaps in that game, so they're giving him some more opportunities. The other good thing, too, and I talked about development yesterday, this guy's 23 years old, man. Very, very young. 6'4", 304, super athletic. He ran a 4.87. He's one of the quicker guys at his size. I, I think I was messing around with Excel like I like to do, and he was the only guy above 300 pounds that ran, I don't know if it was a sub-5 or what it was, but I think it was something like that, a sub-5 for an over 300-pound guy, and he not only ran a sub-5, he blew it out of the water at 487. So a lot of room to grow for him, especially in the area of pass rush. I feel like that was kind of one of his strengths. It was thought to be one of his strengths anyways. Pretty excited to see him continue to grow. The other guys with the above-average grades, Josh Jackson, really, really good to see him step up, especially at a time when a lot of the corners were not stepping up. Josh Jackson actually had a pretty solid game. He was only targeted once or twice, only one of those was caught for 12 yards, and he had a pass breakup, which was his bread and butter for a very long time. I would love nothing more than to see him bounce back. His tackling grade was horrible. His run defense grade was horrible. I don't care. I want to see him step up in coverage. Um, Jackson's been incredibly inconsistent. He was good week one, then he disappeared for three weeks. He had a good game in week five, terrible for another two weeks. Really good game against uh, New England. He had an elite coverage grade in that game, and then he was bad, and then he was bad, and then he was above average, and bad, and bad, and above average, and average. So not seeing a ton to love in Josh Jackson so far, but the inconsistency is almost nice for him compared to a guy like Morrison who's older because it you, you get to see the flashes of how great he can be. Somebody's really got to work with him, though, and, and develop him and help him to, I don't know, be more consistent because in reality he's had three good games all year week one week five week nine now he was graded above average in this game but as far as like great you know again not a lot of good players so just because he was the sixth highest graded player this week doesn't mean anything he was basically average but again that said it was all about the coverage it was his second best coverage game or excuse me third best since uh week one in chicago and week nine in new england so, anyways, another guy would be nice to see one more week out of, just to see, like, come on, tell me something clicked. Otherwise, Tremont was the only other guy that really stood out. Uh, tackling grade was his biggest deal. Run defense was also solid. Coverage was just average. He did have a pass breakup, but he also allowed a touchdown, and his one reception went for 20 yards. So his passer rating was actually 125, so it was actually pretty high, despite not looking all that bad. Josh Jackson's passer rating allowed was 68. After that, you got a whole pile of average down here. We'll kind of ignore that. I'm going to work my way from the bottom. The absolute worst player on the team this past week was Eddie Pleasant. Behind him, Blake Martinez. I really don't like seeing his name down there as much. Starting to happen with much more regularity. I mean, he went through the first five weeks just being dominant before we saw a bad grade out of him against San Francisco. Pretty much since then, it's been real volatile. Right, Elite game against Miami, horrible game against Seattle, bad game against Minnesota, very, very good game against Arizona, below average game against Atlanta, good game against Chicago, horrible game against the Jets. So it's just this constant up and down and up and down. 
And sometimes he's great in coverage. Sometimes he's horrible in coverage. Sometimes he's great in run defense. Sometimes he's terrible in run defense. Sometimes he's a great tackler. Sometimes he's a terrible tackler. The inconsistencies are, are just too much, man. Too much. Third worst player, Jair Alexander. Second week in a row now. He's been terrible for two straight weeks. And in fact, Jair hasn't actually been all that good in quite a while. As much as it really stinks to have to say that, that's kind of the reality. Especially if we're looking at his coverage grade, he hasn't had a good game since Miami. That was week 10. Below average against Seattle, above average against Minnesota, below average against Arizona, um, average against Atlanta, terrible against Chicago, terrible against the Jets. I'm not sure what the situation is here, but Chicago and the Jets do not exactly have elite guys. And remember, against Atlanta when he was average, that was Julio Jones we're talking about. So he goes from Julio Jones to the bums in Chicago and the super bums in New York, and he's had two horrific games. If you're looking at just pass NFL passer rating to judge how well he's doing, he's given up over 100 passer rating in five of the last six games. 109.4 against Seattle, 109.7 against Minnesota, 65.6 against Arizona, but it's Arizona, 134.8 against Atlanta, 100 even against Chicago, and then 118.8 against the Jets. He started off real strong. Through week 10, he was one of the better corners in the NFL. He hasn't done much, especially in, in coverage since then. So I'm excited about Jair, but I really don't like to see him fall off like this because you have to wonder, how good is he? I like him, but we're talking about how many, you know, three very good games in his entire NFL career. Outside of that, two good games, and that's it. Two good games, three very good games. We're talking five games. Five good games out of uh, 13 games he's played in. Five have been good. That's scary. I don't like that. Number one corners, which he's supposed to be, should be able to completely eradicate Jets wide receivers. He couldn't do it. So, anyways, uh, Kentrell Bryce had a very limited amount of time on the field, but he was not good. Josh Jones, again... I like the guy, but it's just his coverage is just not there, man. His tackling is solid. His run defense was pretty good. His pass rush wasn't bad. He's just a terrible cover guy. He did have a pass breakup, which is cool. Three receptions on five targets for 43 yards. So, I don't know. That would be an area of development that I'd love to see is Josh Jones being able to develop. Otherwise, just, let's just make him a linebacker, I guess. Uh, Kyler Fackrell had a bad day. Oren Burks had another bad day. I mean, Burks just... They don't even let him play anymore. The last time he had more, in fact, the last two times he had 10 or more snaps, he played horrifically, abysmally. The more time we let this guy play, the worse he is. Week six against San Francisco, he had 28 snaps. He was abysmal in every category, horrible in coverage, horrible in tackling, terrible in run defense. I'm using different words, but they all mean the exact same thing. Then he had nine snaps and was average. Then we gave him 15 snaps, abysmal. So then he had one snap, seven snaps, three snaps, one snap, four snaps. And whenever we do that, he's pretty close to average because it's hard to be anything other than average when you don't have opportunities. We're just saving him from himself right now. But again, a lot of opportunity here. 6'3", 233, runs a 4'5", 90. He's 23 years old. Would love to see this guy develop a little bit. He's actually not a bad tackler, which is something. It's something to build on. Otherwise, we got Fadol Brown, who wasn't great. Tony Brown who, um, I mean, he, he's basically like CB1 right now. Maybe it was after Jair went out, I don't know. But he, he and um, Tremont were the only players on defense to play all 61 snaps. 
Unfortunately, coverage wasn't great. Same exact thing for Bashad Breland. Both of these guys look pretty similar. Pretty solid against the run. Decent tacklers. Not very good in coverage. Tony Brown, 126.8 passer rating. Bashad Breland, 118.8 passer rating. So the coverage and the defense in general hasn't been very good. And again, we can blame the injuries if we want, but what does an injury have to do with why Bashad Breland and Tony Brown and Jair can't cover guys? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, and Jair probably isn't even going to play next week. So not a great way for him to go out. But anyways, flipping over to offense, um, not surprisingly, Jamal Williams, numero uno. This was definitely his best game of the year. Uh, PFF agrees with that. Weeks two and three, he was pretty decent, Uh, particularly week three against Washington. His run grade was actually very, very similar, but this one's still quite a bit higher. Uh, Another thing that stood out was his ability as a receiver. He pretty much is graded average or below average every time he touches the football as a receiver. He just, it's not his thing. However, this game, as well as the game against Detroit, he actually stood out and uh, looked really good. Pass blocking and run blocking were not actually very good in this game. It was one of his worst. But um, I I don't know. Either way, it was really good to see him uh, be able to step up as a running back when we needed him to step up as a running back. And again, another guy, 23 years old, right? Plenty of time to work with Jamal. Talented guy, strong guy. And I think we got to see a little bit of his upside against the Jets. So again, hopefully we can see him step up as well. Number two on the list, Mr. Equinemius St. Brown. His snap counts were actually a little bit lower. Marquez was out there a ton. Uh, Basically, Devontae had 86 snaps. Marquez had 71 from the slot. Equinemius also played from the snot, but Jake, snot, slot. Jake Kumaro had 57 snaps. Equinemius only had 39, but Equinemius was the more impactful player. Second highest graded uh, guy on the team. I, I, I just... I don't know. I've been saying it for a while. Marquez has been sliding. They gave him a lot of opportunities, but as far as uh, his abilities, I, I feel like he's he's behind Devontae for sure. I think he's behind Equinemius at this point, and uh, if he keeps it up, he's going to be behind Jay Kumaro because as far as grades go, he actually was. He was our lowest-graded wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers was number three, had a real good grade as a uh, runner in particular, but also a, a good grade as a quarterback, as a passer. David Bakhtiari, good game as always. Um, unfortunately, it's that run grade that keeps bringing him down. He had an elite passing, pass blocking grade as always because he's just dominant, but the guy cannot run block to save his life. He had, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not going to figure out how low. Everybody was low. The, the only guys that can run block in this game anyways were Justin McCray and Brian Balaga, the only guys that are above average. Everybody else was just, just not good. Speaking of, Justin McCray and Brian Balaga are number five and six, and the last two guys to be given a good grade up for the team. So offensive line really did step up. We had Brian Balaga, Justin McCray, and David Bakhtiari all having really good games. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers with Equinemius St. Brown and Jamal Williams. I mean, heck, that's, that's a football team. We got a running back, a wide receiver, a quarterback, and three offensive linemen. Not bad. Devontae Adams was next up on the list. A whole lot of average here. He was technically above average, him and Robert Tanyan. For Devontae Adams' standards, this was actually a pretty poor game. Not bad by a lot of other standards. But according to Pro Football Focus, it was his second worst graded uh, game of the year. The only one that was worse was uh, Washington Redskins Week 3. You know, I'm, I'm not really worried about it, but uh, you'd like to see a little bit better than that, I guess. The only guys that really didn't pan out very well, Lucas Patrick. And none of these are really abysmal grades. Um, the fact that Lucas Patrick, who was graded at 50... Uh, being the worst graded player is not bad and his pass blocking was a go- above average it was just that his run blocking was so terrible 
and he also had a penalty, which counts against your grade. Uh, not surprisingly, the next two lowest graded guys, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, the tight ends, just always at the bottom. Sometimes it's a mishmash who gets down there. There's there's one guy that has a good game, but the other two are going to be at the bottom. It's just how it seems to go. But uh, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Marquez, uh, Jay Kumaro, just kind of rounding out the bottom. And actually, the bottom four that I list, or the the four that I listed, Graham, Lewis, Scantling, and Kumaro, they were all basically average. So again, offense just solid. Nobody really elite, but just solid across the board. Nobody really played poorly, with the exception of Lucas Patrick. So that's good to see. You know. It, it, in a game that doesn't matter, the offense felt the need. And, you know, who knows? Let's just say we'll chalk it up to Rodgers and his leadership, right? Why not? Some of these guys kind of stepped up, even though if you analyze it individually, a lot of guys regressed. Devontae Adams had his worst game of the season, basically. But whatever, we won't, we'll ignore that, and we'll just focus on overall. Nobody really played super poorly. We'll give credit to Aaron Rodgers, and we'll move on with our lives. But anyways, that's about it. I mean, nothing super crazy to get excited about you know there's potential especially across the defense Tyler Lancaster is somebody to maybe get excited about at least insofar as being a rotational guy down the line I don't know how much time he's going to get on this team with uh, Daniels and uh, and Kenny Clark on the field but you always rotate the big guys and having somebody like Lancaster and who knows maybe maybe short yardage goal line whatever you got Clark and Daniels and Lancaster all on the field and you've got a pretty good pretty good group right there but um Whatever. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see uh, next week. I'm sure a lot of people are going to chalk this up to some magical thing. We'll see if it carries over, even though there's not that much to carry over. If nothing else, it would just be nice to see Rodgers have a good game and just be happy throughout the game. Again, we're 1-0. That's all I know. We're 1-0. See if we can beat the Lions, and then uh, we'll officially start the offseason and start kind of maybe looking back a little bit, going a little bit more in-depth on some of these players. That would be something if you have questions about, you know, you know, PFF has a lot of resources. If you have questions about snap counts, uh, where somebody played, uh, you know, how they played in this game compared to that game, whatever it is, let me know. Got the phone number in the description. Text it, leave a message, whatever. Uh, that could be something because I, I'm, I'm, I, I got to dig deep, man. <laughs> I got to do some deep dives on some of these players, position groups, what have you. So if you've got questions, send it over. That can be something, uh, whether we do it, you know, I might just put it in my back pocket until after the season ends, so it's something that we can do as a segment later, or maybe I'll just, you know, whip it out and we'll just talk about it tomorrow, I don't know. But anyways, that is that, solid performance from the offense, one of the best of the season, great way to end the season, let's see if we can do two in a row. You folks, enjoy your day, I'll be back tomorrow as always, talk to you later, bye-bye.